The scripture reading this morning is Psalm 31, 14, and 15. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the land, hand of my enemies, from those that persecute me. This thing, all things devours. Birds, beasts, trees, flowers, gnaws steel, oh excuse me, gnaws iron, bites steel, grinds hard stone to meal, slays king, ruins town, and beats high mountains down. Some of you teachers are smiling. Some of the people know what that quote is from. It's from one of the only secular books I have ever read in my life. Uh, the Hobbit. If you've ever read The Hobbit, this is a great book. One of the greatest books of all time. In fact, I've even read this one more than once. And when you read this book, this quote comes from the moment where Bilbo is contending with Gollum in uh, the Lonely Mountain over the ring, and they have this riddle battle. It's like a rap battle, but the 1930s, okay? They got this riddle battle going on, and Gollum gives a riddle, and Bilbo answers, and then Bilbo gives a riddle, and then Gollum answers, and then they go back and forth, and then all of a sudden, this riddle was the riddle that Gollum could not solve. I'm going to read it for you again and see if you can solve what this thing is in the riddle. It says, this thing all things devours. Birds, beasts, trees, flowers. Gnaws iron, bites steel, grinds hard stones to mill. Slays kings, ruins town, and beats high mountain down. What could that thing be? What is the thing that devours all things? All things must be devoured by it. That's what Gollum couldn't figure out. Well, this morning, the answer to that riddle and the, the thing we're going to be talking about this morning is time. The answer to the riddle that, that Bilbo gave Gollum is time, and, and Gollum could not figure it out, and thus he lost the ring. Time is the thing that devours all things. It is the single most uncontrollable thing in our life. It is the one thing that cannot be defeated by us. Many of us feel that way about time, do we not? How many times have you caught yourself saying, where did the time go? How many times have you looked at perhaps your children and said, how did you grow up so fast? Just the other day you were a little child and now you're getting married, you're, you're getting a full-time job, you're, you're leaving the house or whatever the case might be and you say, where did the time go, right? You know, for me, I look at the mirror sometimes and say, what happened, you know? Come on! Can I not just go back, you know? How many times do you look at the mirror and say that? What, who is this looking back at me? Where did the time go? You see, time devours all things. 
I know we have all these feelings about time within our personal life, don't we? We feel the same way as this riddle, that it devours all things. It, it, it devours our whole life. Our whole life is wrapped around time. I've got to be here then. I've got to be there then. And if I'm not, the whole world's going to end, right? Some of us aren't there ever. We never show up on time, right? Time is the most uncontrollable thing in our life, in our personal life. But perhaps more, than, more so even than in our personal life, we experience this idea of losing time in our spiritual life. So many times we wonder, how long am I going to have to deal with this pain? How many times have you asked yourself or asked God, God, how long are you going to allow this to continue on in my life? How long are you going to allow this person to keep doing the things that they are doing that is hurting others? How long, oh Lord, are you going to continue to allow this to happen? How long am I going to be in this storm? How long, God, do I have to tread this water? In my life. And so just like in our personal life, we feel this in our spiritual life. And when we feel this way, we feel helpless. We feel hopeless and we feel like there is no way that we're ever going to make it on the other side of the storm. And when we feel this way, it's very difficult, if at all possible, sometimes to keep our faith intact. This morning I want us to go to God's Word and be reminded about a few things when it comes to God's timing. The one thing that time may never devour, the one thing that time will never be in control of, never have dominion over, is God. So the riddle in fact is wrong. The riddle says this thing all things devour. Well, this thing, time, does not devour God. God is not, in, God is not controlled by time. In fact, He controls time. God has not, is not, and will never be in subjection to time. Actually, when it comes to God, it's the other way around. Time has been, is, and always will be in God's control. You know, we wouldn't even know what time was had it not been for God. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. In the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, we're going to see that God tells us what time even is. Genesis 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So when we think about time, God established the beginning of time 
within the first verse of the Bible. Within the very first verse of the Bible, God has already conquered time. He has already showed dominion over time. He has shown His control over time by establishing the beginning. Not only that, but God separated the light from the darkness and He established what is day and and what is night. You know, from this passage, we see that God the Father was there, verse 1. God the Spirit was there, verse 2. If you were to turn to John chapter 1 and verse 2, it says that Jesus, God the Son, was there in the beginning. And so the Godhead was there in the beginning to establish the beginning. And they began what we understand as time. But this doesn't mean that this was their beginning. In fact, it tells us that it's not their beginning. You see, when we think about the Godhead, when we think about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, they are eternal beings. Meaning they have no beginning and they have no end. When we think about us today, when we think about angels, when we think about us, when we think about any other creature, we are all everlasting beings. Meaning we had a beginning, but we have no end. God is the only eternal being. Because He has no beginning, and He has no end. This idea is found in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14 when God was telling Moses that he needed to go to Egypt to free the Hebrew nation. And and Moses says, well, who do I say sent me? We all know what God says. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, he says, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. This has to be the greatest descriptor that God could have given Moses. The name that could only apply to himself was I am. This could only be applicable to God. A name that is not bound by time. There would be no confusion. There would be no debate. There would be no discussion over who that must be. I am has to be the creator. God is. He's in a constant state of being. If you're to look in John chapter 8, verse 58 and 59, Jesus said a very similar statement. Got him into a lot of trouble. In John chapter 8 and verse 58, it says, most assur- Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And immediately it says that they took up stones to throw at him. This was such a bold statement. This was such a statement that they thought was blasphemous. How dare this man say that he is the same way God told Moses he is? Here Jesus is claiming to be just as boundless by time as the Father is. And they didn't want to hear it. They attempted to take his life for just daring to utter this claim. But when you see it, that Jesus was there to begin the beginning. 
that means he's also able to say, I am. You turn to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8. Our brother Gene did a great job talking about this this past Wednesday. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus makes another statement like this. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who was, who is, and who is to come, the Almighty. You see, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are. They are. They always have been. They are the Alpha, the Omega. They are the beginning, and they are the end. They are, they were, they always will be. And since the Godhead is, since they were, since they always will be, they're really the only ones capable of knowing how to care for us providentially, aren't they? Since they have been always existent, since their plan was from the foundation of the world and even before then, they're the only ones that are able to truly and capably providentially care for us and care for their creation. We studied this a few weeks ago in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11. We sang about this this morning in his time. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Even though we cannot understand how He does what He does, even though we cannot understand the eternity that He has placed within our hearts, even though we cannot discern what life is like outside of time, the beauty is we don't have to know. We don't have to be able to understand. In fact, we're not capable of understanding. The beauty is God can understand. God does understand what life outside of time is because He created time. Because God is. God made everything beautiful in its time because He knows everything's time. Not only does God know everything's time, God brings about that perfect timing. If you were to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, and also Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, I'm going to read both of those, but Paul is going to talk about how God bring, bring, brought about this salvation before time began. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, "...who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Flip over a couple of pages in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, In hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. You see, God's plan for salvation did not begin in the garden. You know, many times we think about salvation, we remember Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. 
he shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel and his chosen seed. And we think that's where the plan of salvation was begun. From that point on, from that moment, God figured it out and, and therefore he was going to establish this nation and, and, and we see it that way. But what does Paul say here? He says he promised eternal life through Christ Jesus before time began. Before the beginning, before he established the beginning, he had already eternally purposed Christ to be our salvation before time began. You see, God pre-exists time. He controls it and He has full dominion over it. God promised before time began salvation through Jesus Christ His Son. So the entire process of the Old Testament and the Israelite nation was to literally bring us to literally the time of Christ. We see that in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. Paul says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. In due time. In the time that was due. In the time that God allotted. Christ died for the ungodly. Not enough. Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 through 5. Paul also says, But when the fullness of the time had come. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. You see, God brought about the fullness of time so that we might be adopted as sons and daughters of the chosen seed. See what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. He says, In Him we have also obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Uh-oh, predestination. No, God did not predestine individuals. God predestined the church. He predestined the church, the body of Christ, to be saved from the foundation of the world. Since before time began, we just read, God established, He predestined the church to fulfill the purpose of Him, of Himself, to work all things according to that counsel of His own will. The church was predestined to receive this inheritance. You see, what we're seeing this morning is that God controls time. God is in absolute control of the time and the seasons. The question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that God is in control of time? If God was in control of time, there's no way I would be in the pain I'm in right now. If God was in control of time, there's no way He would allow me to tread water this long in my faith. If God was really in control of time, there's no way He would allow such and such to happen. If God was really in control of time, you fill in the blank this morning of what you've said in the past. What we have to realize this morning is God is not surprised by what you're going through. God is, is not 
baffled by the circumstances you are in. God is not shaken. He's not worried. He hasn't even batted an eye because He knows how this thing you're going through is going to pan out. He knows exactly what you're going through and that's why we don't have any choice but to take His hand. But to trust our life to Him. When our life is out of control, we have no choice but to choose God who is all absolute control. Time might be devouring us, but it's not even phasing Him. If we don't take His hand, whose hand are we going to take? So instead of of facing tough times alone, why not face it with the one who controls time? It's amazing to think about how God controls time, but that's not the only thing we learn about God and His timing. We've been fully shown that God has control of time, but it's not even close to the end of the story. God shows compassion through time. What do you mean, Ben? How how can you show compassion through time? Well, let me show you. In Psalms chapter 78 and verse 38, the psalmist says, But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. Yes, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up his wrath. God is so full of compassion, so full of love, so full of patience that He turns His anger and His wrath away from our sin. You know, many times we think of of God, at least the world thinks of God as the one who just strikes lightning whenever you mess up, right? That's not God. God is so long-suffering, so patient, so loving, so merciful that He doesn't do that. Let's just keep it right there in Psalms and continue to look at a few more. In Psalm chapter 86 and verse 15, the psalmist says, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious and long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. In Psalm chapter 103 and verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. In Psalm chapter 145 and verse 8, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. God, our Lord, is full of compassion. He is full of grace, patience, mercy, and truth, and He is slow to anger. And that is the only thing reason why we could even make it to the fullness of time where God sent forth his son where Christ died for those who were ungodly yes God has control of time and that is phenomenal that is gives a lot of of peace to us to think about how God is in control of time but if God was not compassionate through time how much would that mean to us in our lives Not only is he in control, he shows compassion. 
How does he show this compassion? Well, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20, it says that he showed that compassion, that patience, to those in the days of Noah. 1 Peter 3 and verse 20, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few that is eight souls were saved through water. God poured out that compassion to those people at the time of Noah so that those 100 or so years could take place so Noah could build that ark so mankind could be saved. That is the long-suffering, the compassion he poured out on mankind. You look at the time, God poured out his compassion to those people in the wilderness, those Israelites. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 18, it says in a very interesting way. Acts 13, 18, it says, Now for a time, about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. God put up with the Israelites' ways in the wilderness for 40 years. God's compassion was also poured out on those same people in the time of the prophets years later. In Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 30, the, 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 the Bible tells us, Yet for many years you had patience with them and testified against them by your spirit and your prophets. Yet they would not listen. So God showed his compassion to those patriarchs in the time of Noah. God showed His compassion to those Israelites in the wilderness. And God showed those com that compassion to the Israelites later on in the time of the prophets. But that's not where it stopped. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says that He is currently pouring out His compassion on us. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that the, with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So let me get this straight. God demonstrated patience, compassion, mercy, and love throughout time? Yes, literally. Throughout time, from the beginning till now, God has poured out His compassion towards us. He showed it to the patriarchs, He showed it to the Israelites, and He is showing it to us. Today. He is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Isn't it amazing to think about the control that God has over time? It's amazing. Isn't it comforting to think about God's compassion that He shows through time? It's wonderful. But there's still one more thing we need to learn this morning about God's time. You see, because for some people here this morning, it's great knowledge to know that God controls time. It's great information to know that God is pouring out His compassion through time. But that doesn't help me in the situation I'm in. 
personally, spiritually within my life, that doesn't help me continue to be able to live and continue to be able to tread water? How does that help the boat that is sinking metaphorically in my life? How does that keep me afloat in my life? It's great to know that God's in control, but I'm not seeing that right now. It's great to know that God is showing compassion, but but I don't feel that right now. Some of you may be feeling that way. Sometimes I have felt that way. How can I stay afloat right now? Well, not only does God show control, not only does God show compassion, God shows comfort in the meantime. God gives us comfort in the meantime. The psalmist would say, go back to Psalms in verse 20, chapter 27 and verse 14, he would say, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Sometimes when we feel alone, when we feel that God has abandoned us, when we feel like all hope is lost, that is exactly when we need to simply wait on the Lord. It says have courage, does it not? It takes courage to wait on the Lord. But if we show that courage, it says, He shall strengthen your heart. God shows comfort in the meantime. We sang it earlier, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, where Isaiah would say, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And then the song says, Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to wait. When we wait on the Lord, this verse tells us, He will renew us. We will have the strength of eagle's wings. We will run and not grow tired. We will walk and not faint. God shows comfort. In the meantime, you know, when God says, wait, what does that necessitate? Or what does that insinuate? When God says, wait, He is saying that, I mean, we can have a basic understanding that this time of waiting is going to end. If you tell your child, wait a second, and you do what you got to do, what does that tell that child? Well, after a little while, whenever he gets finished doing what he's doing, he's going to come back to me and help me with whatever I want to talk to him about. That's the same with God. God says, wait on the Lord. Wait on me and I will renew you. Wait on me and I will strengthen you. God shows comfort in the meantime. Paul was saying in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. 
do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we shall reap. If we do not lose heart. If we do not grow weary, we will reap that season that God has set aside for us in the due season, the same way we had that due season earlier in our lesson today. We do not have to grow weary because God shows comfort in the meantime. You know, there's so many times in my life where I don't know what God is up to. I have no idea what God is doing right now. Why would God allow this to happen? Why would God think that I am able to bear this burden? God's faith in me is way greater than my own. I don't think I can make my next step. When this happens, we have to realize that God is in control. That God is always showing compassion. And that in the meantime, God gives us comfort along the way. Because God is in control of time, because God shows compassion through time, because God gives us comfort in the meantime. Perhaps this is why our scripture reading, David would say in Psalm chapter 31 and verse 14, But as for me, I trust in you, Lord. You are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. David says, I trust in you, Lord. My times are in your hand. Can you say that this morning? Can you say that, that, that your time is in God's hands and you trust in Him regardless of what's going on in your life? Can you be like that this morning? Or has your life lost all control of what's going on? This morning, has your life lost all semblance of control. It is off the rails. You have no idea how to get it back. You have no idea how you've lost that sight in God's control and you have no control in your life. Is that you this morning? Then why not come to the I Am? Why not come to the one who has absolute control? The one who literally makes all things beautiful in its time. The one who exists outside of time itself. This morning, have you been trying the Lord's patience? Have you been like those patriarchs in the days of Noah that was trying the Lord's compassion and putting it to the test to the point that he had to simply destroy the earth. 
Are you like those Israelites in the wilderness that he had to put up with for 40 years? Are you like those Israelites later on in the time of the prophets that he had to show patience on? Yet they would not listen, it says. Are you someone God is currently having to show compassion on? If that's you, you need to know one day that compassion's going to end. One day that time is literally going to run out. Maybe today you're, you're not in either of those camps, but this morning you're in need of comfort. Perhaps you realize that God has control, that God has compassion, you're drowning right now. And you need comfort. Why not come to the God who shows that comfort freely? Maybe thinking, I'm going to get my life right, but not yet. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, In an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This morning, whether you need God's control in your life, you need Him to have control over your life, whether you need Him to show you compassion this morning, or whether you need comfort. God offers all three of those things right up here. As together we stand and sing for your encouragement. While the light from the throne shines for you and me, let us listen to the call of love. Science call is ringing, coming from the throne above. While we hear it ringing, let us heed the call of love. On the road to the goal, burdens we must bear, but we have help from realms above. We rejoice when we kneel in prayer. Let us listen to the call of love. Zion's call is ringing, coming from the throne above. While we hear it ringing, let us heed the call of love. While we tarry below, there is work to do, and our strength cometh from above. 
as we labor and wait, we must all be true. Let us listen to the call of love. Zion's call is ringing, coming from the throne above. While we hear it ringing, let us heed the call.